coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on October 22nd, 2023. Different, but the same. I'm going to talk about two men in Scripture, and if you have your handout, you already know which two they are. Um, I picked them because as I was reflecting this week on what to share, I was thinking in terms of people that we know and meet in our, in our lives, we come across, and our perception of them. And oftentimes, our perception at first is completely different than the way that they are. doesn't mean that they're hiding something from us. It just means that sometimes when we meet a person, we have some preconceived ideas of what they're like and who they are. And in time, they reveal who they are and what they're about. And sometimes that changes as we look at them. I want to talk about two men. And one of them is, is a person that in Scripture this person would be admired. This would be a person that uh, society would look up to. They would uh, even show deference to them. As we talk about Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious teacher. He would be a scholarly person who would know the word of God. He would be a person that as he moved through the streets with all this finery on, people would make way for him because they would, they would uh, show deference to him and he would go about. He would be somewhat unapproachable because of that. Um, people wouldn't just go up and start talking with Nicodemus. That wouldn't be the way that it would happen. It would be like somebody that you might meet that would be somewhat famous that you wouldn't feel really comfortable if you didn't know them to go up and start talking to them because they're somebody, right? And so you wouldn't want to maybe intrude into the life. And when you think about it, here's a person who has his act together. I mean, he's gone through the schooling that's necessary, the training, uh, and now he's arrived He's a person who uh, has wisdom and knowledge, and, and you go, wow, that'd be somebody that would be worth knowing. The other person that we're going to talk about today is probably at the other end of the spectrum. His name is Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus would be just the opposite. He would be the one that would be more inclined that if he passed through the streets, somebody would spit at him. They would treat him with all kinds of use and abuse as much as they think they could get away with because he's protected by the Romans. But he would, he would be despised. Curse words would be saved for Zacchaeus. Okay? And what they would say behind his back would be probably blipped out if we spoke him out loud. He was a traitor. He was a scum.
scumbag. He was the worst of the worst because as much as the Jews hated Samaritans because they were mixed breed, tax collector was in another whole category because he was a Jew who turned and became a traitor to his people and worked for the Romans, those hated occupiers. And so Zacchaeus would be the one that people would scowl at and shake their fist at and curse at. So let's look at these two people. First one is found primarily in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And we're familiar with the story. And we read in the opening verses of chapter 3 of John these words. And now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So here comes Nicodemus, and he, and he arranges for a meeting with Jesus at night. He does it under cover of darkness, so that people don't see what's going on here. But he wants to talk to Jesus. He wants to know who this person is. Now, this is early on in Jesus' ministry. Jesus had, had only recently got started in public ministry, and it already caught the attention of Nicodemus. And now Nicodemus makes his way to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. We, we know that you have something worth sharing with us. And I just want to talk with you and get to know what's going on. And Jesus then answers him in verse 3 and says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That sort of put Nicodemus on his heels. He comes to Jesus and he wants to know what Jesus is about. So I want you to stick your marker there. I've got my little thing. I'll stick it in there. And then turn to Luke chapter 19, and we'll see the introduction to the other individual in our study today, and that's Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, this is further on in Jesus' ministry. He's been at it for a while now. He's called his disciples, and when he's traveling... We read in chapter 19 of Luke, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, Jerusalem is up on a hill in southern Israel today, and Jericho would be down the hill to the east and down, down, down into the valley where you would find the Jordan River and close by the Dead Sea. And it says that Jesus was traveling, had entered Jericho, and was passing through. It says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector 
and was rich. So, were the people's opinion of Zacchaeus, were they, did they just come out of thin air? No. They came honestly because Zacchaeus was a hated, hated person. And it says here he was a chief tax collector. In other words, he had people working for him and he was rich. And how did he become rich? Well, he, he built boats on the side. No, he didn't. He took the money from the people by increasing their taxes so that he could make some profit on that. And how could they argue? Because he had the force of Rome behind him. And so he was skimming off all this and stealing from the people. And how they felt about him was well justified. So we have these two individuals. They're similar in the sense that they're well established in their fields. They're similar because Nicodemus was a well-known, well-loved Pharisee who served his nation, served his people. And Zacchaeus, certainly as a chief tax collector, was well-established in his field, one then a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. If we were to turn to somebody because we wanted some help, who would we turn to? Well, it's pretty obvious we would turn to a Nicodemus type person. We wouldn't turn to Zacchaeus. In fact, if Zacchaeus was walking down the street, we might be inclined to cross over and go down the other side. Now, if Nicodemus came up to us and started talking to us, we might be a little flustered because we wouldn't know what to say to this person who is esteemed. If Zacchaeus came up and started talking to us, we would be muttering under our breath all sorts of things that wouldn't be kind to put into print. So let me ask you a question. Do you know any Nicodemus people? Some people that you hold in high esteem? That if you had an opportunity to meet, somebody would ask you the question, who would you like to meet? Who would you like to be introduced to? You wouldn't want to be introduced to a Zacchaeus type person, but a Nicodemus person might be worthwhile being introduced. And so a person with some sort of reputation, a good reputation, you would say, wow, that, that might be a person worth knowing. But if it was the case of a Zacchaeus type person, you would go, I wouldn't mind if I never saw this person again. I don't want anything to do with the Zacchaeus person. Especially when it talks about my taxes. But Because everybody loves April 15th, right? No. One was esteemed and the other one despised. One we would have turned to and we 
the other turned away from. When we bring this up to our first point then. Let's not confuse a person's societal position with their spiritual condition. Let's not confuse a person's societal position with their spiritual condition. Because our guess would have been, if we were to, to think on these two people, that Nicodemus, he's got it all together. He's a Pharisee. I mean, wow. If, if we're going to go and go on a quiz show and run the Bible category, we wouldn't want Nicodemus to be there opposite us because he'd probably run the category. So when it comes to their spiritual knowledge, Nicodemus has got it all together. Zacchaeus, not so much. We wouldn't even think in terms of Zacchaeus and spiritual enlightenment. Those two just wouldn't go together. So let me ask you a question. Do you know any Zacchaeus people? Some people, if they came to mind, you go, man, I just write them off. I was listening to a talk show one time and the person was talking about people that come into your life and this talk show host said, just write them off, cross them off the list, turn your back on them, have nothing to do with them, just be done with it. You don't need that kind of, the, of issue in your life. But see, there was something about these stories that is the same. They were same in the sense that they had achieved a high standing in their particular field, even though we might say one field was much better than the other. But they both had arrived. And we come then to the second point, where don't assume that a person's spiritual condition is one of contentment. Don't assume that one's spiritual condition is one of contentment. And you say, Pastor Tim, how do you come up with that? Well, if we go back to our, our passage in, in John chapter 3, we see Nicodemus coming tonight. And he's going to ask this teacher, Jesus, to fill him in. And you go, oh, wait, wait, shouldn't it be the other round? Shouldn't this itinerant preacher come to Nicodemus to get, get the inside track on spiritual matters? And the answer is no. For all the learning that Nicodemus had, all the instruction that he had ever received all the wisdom that he had, people had tried to come to him to elicit from him, Nicodemus in his heart of hearts was not content. 
So Nicodemus finds himself going at night to Jesus. And it doesn't take long for Jesus to get right to the heart of the matter. Jesus doesn't banty back and forth with, with Nicodemus and talk about what it's like to be a Pharisee or what it's like to be an itinerant preacher. That isn't the nature of the conversation. Immediately, go, Jesus goes and says, after Rabbi, we know your teacher come from God. No one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, said, truly, truly. In other words, pay attention now, Nicodemus. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you go, what? The kingdom of God. That should be the bread and butter for Nicodemus. He should know all about the kingdom of God. He should know what it's like to have a, a relationship with the living God. But he didn't. And Jesus said, are you paying attention now? You need to be born again. Now we sort of laugh at, at Nicodemus' response. He says, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, I say to you, unless you're born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which was born of the spirit is spirit. And what he's saying is, no, we're not talking about being born again by going to a hospital or having someone come and assist you in birth, in uh, a home birth. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a spiritual birth, a spiritual heart change. And you go, the audacity of it. And Jesus is talking to a, a spiritual leader in the country and says, you need a spiritual heart change. And then he says, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, comes and moves in the hearts of men. So Nicodemus asked him, he says, how, how does this happen? And you go, Nicodemus, you're, you're a religious leader. You're a spiritual example. If you can't answer the basic information, what's going on here? And Jesus said, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, he says, pay attention then. I say to you, we speak what we know and bear witness of what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. In other words, I started this ministry and I'm de declaring unto you what it's like to be born again. And you're not getting it. You're not getting it. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, 
How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. And we talked about that title that Jesus used to refer to himself. And it was a title that was used to describe literally God. He says, if God comes into your presence and you don't recognize him, what does that say about you who is a religious leader? And then he goes, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And of course, this is a picture not of Moses lifting up the serpent, but of Jesus Christ being put on the cross. And then we have that verse that most people know, if they know any scripture at all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And you go, that's embarrassing. You're telling a religious leader how to get saved? As we said, don't assume a person's spiritual condition is one of contentment. We run into the danger of having the Samuel syndrome. Remember Samuel, when he was going to pick out a king, God says, I want you to go and anoint a king and send him to the house of Jesse. And the, and the sons were pulled in. And he goes, man, this would make a fine king. God goes, no, not him. And the next one come in, well, if not him, then this one will make a great king. And, and the Lord says, the Lord doesn't see as man sees, man looks on the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. If we'd be in the same position of looking at someone like Nicodemus and say, man, he's got his life all wired and figured out and he understands and he knows and who would I be to challenge him? And the Lord goes, Nicodemus, I don't care if you're a religious leader. I don't care if you're a Pharisee. You need to be born again. And we would be making a mistake if we looked at Nicodemus and say, you know, we don't need to talk to him because his life is, he's got it all together. We don't need to talk to him. And we would be mistaken. But Nicodemus was a seeker. Nicodemus came to the Lord to talk to him. So let's flip back to uh, our passage that, of uh, Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. In Luke 19, we have the story of Zacchaeus, and Jesus is traveling, as we said, down through Jericho, and, and uh, as Jesus is traveling with his disciples, Zacchaeus hears that he is in town, and he says, 
You know, I'd like to know something about this Jesus. And so we see that the thing that both Nicodemus and Zacchaeus had in kind was that they were both seekers. They were both seekers. In verse 3, Zacchaeus then was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. In other words, he's short. And so what does he do to overcome his shortness? Because no one's going to let him through the crowd. No one is going to say, hey, Zacchaeus, I realize you're short. Why don't you step to the front of the crowd here so you can get a good view of Jesus when he passes by? No. Zacchaeus knows better. Zacchaeus knows that if he mingles at all with the crowd, he's going to find some punches in the ribs, maybe a smack or two on the head. Who knows what? As long as the crowd thinks that they can get away with it, they would be, be willing to give it to him. So what does Zacchaeus do? He runs ahead in verse 4, climbs up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So he comes and he goes, I'll, I'll get, get a, a seat here in the bleachers and, and watch him as he goes by just to catch a glimpse of him. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Was Zacchaeus content with all the money he had made? No, he wanted more. He wanted to know something about this Jesus. And now Jesus stops right in the middle, looks up at Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, you come down, I'm going to your house. And so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Here was a person who most people wouldn't have anything to do, but Jesus wants to come to his house. How cool is this? We shouldn't cons consider that a person's spiritual condition is one of contentment. You would have thought, uh, Zacchaeus, not interested in spiritual things at all. I mean, after all, he's a traitor. He's a tax collector. Nobody, he's, a, he's outcast. Nobody wants to have anything to do with him. He is almost like a swear word here. And nobody wants to have anything to do. And Jesus stops at him and says, I'm coming to your house. And so Zacchaeus' response is full of joy. And when all the people saw it, they rejoiced with him. No. Scripture says, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Because what were they looking at? They were looking at his condition. His societal position says this, this person couldn't possibly have any interest 
in spiritual matters. He's abandoned his people. He's become a traitor to them. Why in the world would we even give him the time of day, much less why would he have any interest in spiritual matters? And the people said amen to that. And they all grumbled. Man, I could have met with Jesus. Instead, he's meeting with Zacchaeus. <laughs> and he had gone in to be a guest of the man who is a sinner. That was the statement of the people. And in verse 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. You may despise him, you may consider him a traitor, but I see him as a person who needs me, and he has put his trust in me and has been saved. Wow. Our last principle then is don't believe that spiritual change cannot happen. I mean, everybody would have written off Zacchaeus. And the Lord said, salvation has come to his house today. And how do we know that? Because there's a transforming of his heart. Both were in the same condition, both Nicodemus and Zacchaeus. Nicodemus came to, to Jesus by night because he had a lot to lose. He was a religious leader. Whether he or not should, should or not be connected to Jesus was a big question. Because if he was associated with Jesus, he could lose his position as a Pharisee. He could lose his position and his, everybody who knew him then would look down on him Zacchaeus was in a, a similar condition. He could lose his position if he says, okay, I'm going to stop overcharging taxes. I, I, he might even get out of the business. We know Matthew did, right? Matthew became a follower and, and left his tax-collecting mind. What if Zacchaeus did the same? So Nicodemus could lose his position and status, Zacchaeus could lose his position and wealth. And you say, wow. Don't believe that spiritual change cannot happen because it certainly did. It certainly did. Why? It's because the power of God is at work. The power of God is at work. And any preconceived ideas that we might have as to who is savable and who needs salvation, both of these things were dashed. Did Nicodemus need salvation? Most would have said, 
No, he's a religious leader. Did he need salvation? Absolutely. And they will look at Zacchaeus and they go, is he savable? And they go, are you kidding me? No way. And yet the Lord says, today salvation has come to its house. There's a couple more passages that are found in the Gospels concerning Nicodemus. Zacchaeus, this passage in Luke, is a sum of what we know about Zacchaeus. But we know more about Nicodemus. In chapter 7 of John, we see his name popping up. And there was division among the people concerning who Jesus was. But Nicodemus had pretty good insight now. And they had gotten some officers to, to evaluate Jesus. And, and the Pharisees said in verse 45, Why did you not bring him? And the officer said, No one ever spoke like this man. And the Pharisee says, Have you been deceived? Have any of the authority or Pharisees believed in him? And they sort of threw that question out like, No, no one of the Pharisees has believed in him. And what do we see? But this crowd doesn't know the law. And Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, it's interesting that phrase is thrown in there, so there's no mistaking that this was the same Nicodemus as chapter 3. And who was one of them said to him, Does our law judge a man without first getting a hearing and learning what he does? In other words, have you listened to him? Have you paid any attention to what he is saying? And they go, ha, are you from Galilee too? Search and see. No prophet came from, from Galilee. And then it sort of fades into the background of the story until we get to John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, we come in to the story at the point of time when Jesus has been crucified and then taken down and he's going to be buried. And in verse 38 of John chapter 19, it says, And after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who is the disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, again, that threat was big time. The Jews could turn on you if you... And so... Nicodemus had something to be fearful of. Asked Pilate where they might take the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So Joseph of Arimathea says, I'll take him. And look at verse 39. And Nicodemus also, again, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. That's a lot of myrrh now. Who would do this? Someone who would come to know the Lord. This wasn't just a casual gift and, well, I've got it, I can give it. This is 
I want to honor my Savior. And then they took him. And then the verse 41, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, which no man had yet been laid. And because it was a Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was closed at hand, they laid Jesus there. So what do we get with this? Pastor, why are you preaching on Nicodemus Zacchaeus? They're long dead and gone. It's because we have Nicodemuses and Zacchaeus and everyone in between in our, in our daily lives. And if we start looking at them and saying, oh, that person's got it all together. They don't need to be questioned about their spiritual life. We'd be mistaken. And this person over here, we shouldn't talk to him because they're probably not interested. Their whole lifestyle cries out and says, no, 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 I want everything to do with God. And if we write them off, we are treating him like Zacchaeus. What's the call on our lives? To be like Jesus around the Zacchaeuses and the Nicodemuses and everyone in between. To say, I don't know what the spiritual condition is, but I'm concerned about it. And I want to inquire because their life is worth it. They're handmade by God. And they need the Lord. They need the Lord. So in your mind's eye, do you have any Zacchaeuses and Nicodemuses that you are in contact with? Do you have some people in between? Because there's probably more people in between. And have you thought of them in terms of their spiritual condition? It would have been very easy for Jesus to write off Zacchaeus, see him up in the tree and go, and keep on going. He says, no, I'm coming to your house today. Come down out of there. Could we put some words in Jesus' mouth? You're worth saving. And I'm going to come to your house today. I don't know where you are. You might be like Nicodemus or Zacchaeus. Nicodemus certainly was a religious person. <laughs> Maybe you've been a religious person all your life. And I know that I'm speaking to people on the video too. It might be your condition. But you need Jesus. You need to trust your eternal life to Jesus Christ. You need to put your hope and trust in him. If you'd like to talk to me after the service, I'm more than available to talk with you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our life is full of people that we meet. Some at one end of the spectrum, the Nicodemuses of the world, other, at the other end, Zacchaeus is the world. And we could write off both of the ends because one really doesn't need it and the other one is beyond hope. But you pointed out that that wasn't the case 
for either one. Nicodemus needed to be redeemed, needed to be born again. And so did Zacchaeus. And we're thankful that you spent the time with each one to address their deepest need and speak truth into their life. And by faith, give them life. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.